0: Okay, well our scripture reading today was from John chapter 15 and that's actually going to be the main focus for the sermon today So I encourage you to turn over to John 15 Uh, And if you like the singing part, which I appreciate Tony and everybody that's helped with that. I appreciate Adam and his communion thoughts Uh, We're gonna sing one more song here in just a few minutes. So uh, Stick with me for a little bit And Then we're gonna I'm gonna kind of mix it up today and and do something just a little bit different But turn to John 15 We've been studying through the Gospels since January 1st, so every sermon that I've preached in January, February, March, and now these first two weeks in April come somewhere from the Gospels, and the last few weeks I've kind of just focused on uh, the end of the Gospel of John, and I hope that as a a church you're continuing to read through this. It's been a, a great, for me, a great reminder to read my Bible every day. It's been a great challenge for me, so I hope that you're still doing that. And then after Easter Sunday, we'll probably go a different direction with the sermons. Uh, I want to do a little audience participation right now. Uh, so if you're sitting at home in the living room, if you're with your family, if you're by yourself, I want, to, I want you to participate in what I'm about to do. Uh, I'm going to count to three, and the seven or eight of us that are here today, I want you to do it too, just so I know I'm not alone. But I'm going to count to three, and I want you to just say a name or two that comes to mind when you think of the, the word Friend. So whoever you think of as a friend in your life, when I count to three, say that name, say two names. It doesn't have to be your best friend, just any friend that you can think of, and let's try that. So do it at home. One, two, three, say a name. Okay, I didn't hear anybody in this room say my name, Uh, and my name that I'm going to say is Jesus. So I don't know what y'all said, but I chose Jesus to say I'm just kidding, didn't mean to trick you on that. I am going to talk, though, in just a minute about Jesus and the idea of friendship and how Jesus uses this word friend uh, that we already read from our scripture reading in John chapter 15. Uh, there's a movie that comes out every year, it on, comes on TV called It's a Wonderful Life. It's an old black and white movie, came out in 1946, and they show it every year as a Christmas special. Uh, you've probably either seen it or you know what it, you've know you heard of it, you know what it's about. Uh, the movie centers around this main character named George Bailey. George Bailey is a nice guy. He owns a bank. He's a good, solid person. And then, to no fault of his own, I think it was his uncle in the movie, loses a, a check. And so it seems like George is going to lose the bank, and he thinks he's probably going to go to jail. And it's not even his fault, out of his frustration, he yells these words, I wish I would have never been born. So the rest of the movie, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, he he. This angel shows up. This angel's name is Clarence. And Clarence takes George on a little ride. And he shows George what the town and what life would look like had he never been born. It was kind of a bleak picture. What George realized... what. Clarence, this angel-like character, was showing him was that he has good friends, and he's made a big impact on the lives of his friends and family and the community, and without his presence, without his life, uh, there's something missing. And so at the end of the movie, and here's a spoiler alert, if somehow you haven't seen a movie that came out 76 years ago, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you. At the end of the movie, George's friends rally around him, and they show up at his house, And they come with money, and they've come prepared to help pay off that debt that the bank owes that George works for. So it's this great, nice ending. But at the very end of all of it, George receives a gift. It's this book. And he opens the book up, and there's a little note inside there from this angel character who had been with him the whole movie named Clarence. And if you remember the movie, maybe you remember what this inscription says in the gift that he received inside of this book. It says, No man is a failure Who has friends. No man is a failure who has friends. I I love that quote. Um, In fact, I've thought about it, dwelled on it some this week, and I thought, I wonder if we're having a discussion or if I could add to that. In some ways, I agree with that. No man is a failure who has friends, but it depends on what kind of friends that you have. We live in a world where making friends, true, genuine friendship, it's getting harder and harder, especially while we're all stuck at home and you can't go to school and you can't go to work and you, you're, not be, you're not able to physically interact with people like maybe you would, you're used to doing. Uh, friendships are hard to come by. What is a friend? What does that mean exactly? I hope that when I ask you to say a name of a friend, you had somebody in mind. When it comes to Facebook or social media, we have friends on Facebook. I have a lot of friends on Facebook, but does that mean that's a real friend? Uh, Sometimes I will scroll through Facebook and I will notice a picture of somebody that I'm friends with and I think to myself, I have no idea who that is, but I'm friends with them on Facebook. Does that make it a real friendship? As I was studying for this lesson, I came across a website where they offer you the opportunity to buy friends. Friends. So, you can buy 500 friends, you can buy 1,000 friends for a certain price, and what it does is, is it creates fake people to be your friends on social media, and they go in and they like your posts to boost the attention. That's the kind of world that we live in. You can buy friends. Uh, there was a study that was done by a research group called YouGov, and they were researching millennials, the generation that gets talked about a lot. And the results of the research said that 22% of millennials say they have no friends. 27% of millennials say they have no close friends. Something is missing in life if that large of a percentage of people say they have either no friends or no close friends. When I think about this idea of friendship and I think about the Bible... uh, The word friend is deeply rooted in Judaism, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. And there's two people that come to mind, and that's Abraham and Moses. For example, in Isaiah 41 and verse 8, God is speaking to Israel and it says, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. You know, God, through Isaiah, is speaking this word and he's referring back to Abraham and he says, Abraham, my friend. And I put on here 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 7, James chapter 2 and verse 23, where Abraham is called a friend of God. That's pretty awesome to have that kind of relationship with God that he refers to you as his friend. Now, I also think about Moses and the example that comes to mind is Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11. And we're told that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So when I hear this word friend, think about the world that we live in, but I think about the biblical world. I'm thinking about how Moses and Abraham had this close, intimate relationship with God, so much so that the word friend is used. And in my opinion, that's something that we should all desire to be this close to God that we're considered God's friends. Now, I don't know how you would describe or define what a friend is. If I put you on the spot or we're having a discussion, I said, tell me what a friend is. How would you describe it? There's a, a professor at Princeton University, he's a philosopher professor. He wrote a book called On Friendship. His name is Alexander Nehamas. The book is called On Friendship, and he spends almost 300 pages in the book trying to define what a friend is. The problem is, if it takes 300 pages to describe it, well, that sounds like friendship is kind of complicated. In fact, in the book, he says, it's almost easier to say what a friend is not than to say what a friend is. And then he goes on to say that friendship is like beauty or art. It's something to be appreciated for itself. Okay, if I were to get online and look up what a definition of friendship is, I looked on Wikipedia, and you see this on the screen. Wikipedia, which... I guess it's a credible source, not really, but it gives some sort of definition. It says friendship is a relationship of mutual affection between people. It is a stronger form of in, of interpersonal bond than an association. Well, there's kind of a, a textbook definition of friendship. Yeah, it's a there's affection involved. There's a mutual affection. There's interpersonal bond more than just being an acquaintance or an associate. Okay. But still, what is a friendship? Like there's got to be something deeper to help describe it. So I'm going to borrow some words, some thoughts from the old Greek philosopher Aristotle. Aristotle uh, understood friendship in three ways. There's three types of friends, he says. The first type of friendship is utility. A utility friendship is you're friends with somebody because there's some sort of mutual benefit like being friends with somebody, you actually get benefit from being friends with that person. Uh, that sounds kind of bad, but I'm sure a lot of us do that. We, we like people, we love people, because we get something out of it. Uh, I heard Bible scholar Scott McKnight one time talking about utility friendship from Aristotle, and he said, one example is, if you're on the sports team with somebody, you're friends with that person during the season because you're teammates, but when the season ends... Your friendship pretty much ends because you go on about your lives. So one type of friendship is utility friendship. Uh, Aristotle says the second type of friendship is pleasure, where you're friends with somebody because you enjoy being around them. It may not be a deep friendship, but maybe it's just somebody that's the life of the party, somebody that makes you laugh, somebody that's hilarious. We probably all have friends like that. That's nice to have friends like that, but it's still not that deep. So he says the third type of friendship is virtue. And a virtuous type of friendship is when you care and you love about somebody so deeply that you want what's good for your friend for the sake of your friend. There's a mutual growth that takes place in this type of friendship. I think, probably for millennials or for anybody else, if you feel like you're lacking friends or you, something's missing in your life, that's the type of friendship we would like as a virtue, a virtuous type of friendship. Uh, there's another professor named Ronald Sharp who uh, teaches a course on literature of friendship. And one of the ways that he describes friendship is he said, friendship is not about what somebody can do for you. So it's not... Utility friendship. That's not a, a healthy type of friendship. He says that uh, friendship is, is not about what somebody can do for you, but it's about what the, who the two of you become when you're in each other's presence. That is a healthy type of friendship. So as I move into this passage in John 15, uh, keeping Ronald Sharp's idea of what friendship is in mind, keeping uh, Aristotle in mind, who are you becoming in the presence of Jesus? Okay, we read this for the scripture reading, so I won't read back through it, but I do want to bring a few things to mind. First of all, in John 15, this is the context of what's going on in the Gospel of John, is it John 13 through John 17. John chapter 13 through John chapter 17, this is known as the farewell discourse. You'll notice a lot of red letters from Jesus, if you have a Bible where Jesus' words are in red, red ink. And Jesus is teaching, he's passing on to his disciples some final instructions, some final thoughts. Uh, He washes his disciples' feet. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of words in these chapters. And it's right before the crucifixion. And what we're focusing on is chapter 15, verse 12 through 17. And this little section is bracketed by, bookend by, the command to love one another. In verse 12, Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then in verse 17, he says, I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Now, in John's writings, John talks a lot about love through the mouth of Jesus. And here Jesus is saying, this is my commandment. This is what I'm passing on to you. Love one another. And in between verse 12 and 17, he goes on to describe what true love is. Love in its fullest sense looks like. And in verse 13, he says, No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's the greatest kind of love. And what's interesting is that Jesus introduces here, for the first time, this word friend. And when Jesus says, lay down one's life, he's referring to the cross. He's already mentioned this in John chapter 10. Uh, When he's talking about how he is the good shepherd and he is going to lay down his life for his sheep. And he does so willingly. This laying down is a reference to the cross. So what Jesus is saying is when he dies on the cross, that's the greatest form of love is to lay down his life for his friends. But it's not just for his friends because Jesus dies for his enemies as well. In verse 14... Jesus gives the terms of friendship to his disciples. And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So there you go. He lays it out for him. If you want to be my friend, do what I command. Well, what is he commanded? Well, obviously here he's commanding to love one another. But if you've been on this journey with us through the gospels, we know that Jesus commands us to forgive people and to keep forgiving, to love not just your friends and people you go to church with, but to love your enemies Um, to not to hate anyone because that's what's really going on in your heart, not to lust, and so on and so forth. There's all the things that Jesus has been talking about. He's saying, if you live like this, if you live out these teachings of the kingdom of God, you're my friend. There's the stipulations of what it means to reciprocate this friendship with Jesus. But what I want to key in on is verse 15 this is several months ago back in January when we were reading through John. This really hit me and I kind of re it a few times. And I knew a sermon was coming on this idea of friendship. So this is the verse that really gripped me. And uh, Jesus says, I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. He's changing things and he says, but I have called you friends. Because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. I wonder how this made the disciples feel. They've been his disciples. They've been his servants. And now he's saying, I'm no longer calling you servants. I'm letting you in on God's secrets. I'm now calling you a friend. I wonder how that made them feel. I have a good friend who uh, a while back moved to a major metropolitan city with a population of uh, over a million people. And this guy's my friend, and he's a really friendly person. He's the type of person you would want to have as a friend. He's had friends in his childhood. He had friends from his youth group days. He had friends from high school days. He's he's had friends from college. But he said these words to me, and it kind of shocked me. He said, we have no friends. And I was wondering what he meant by that because he lives in a city surrounded by millions of people and he has friends all over. But what he meant was we have no friends. We have not made friends in the city that we now live in. They've tried, but it just wasn't working. And even though they had friends in their life and they had family, they desired to have friends in the proximity of where they lived. And without that, there's something missing. So when we moved to Longview almost three years ago, there were a lot of things that I prayed for, for my family, for this church, for myself as a person. Two things that I prayed for specifically and a lot was that God would bless us with a home. We wanted to be able to put down roots. We wanted to have stability for our children. And God has answered that prayer. Another thing that I prayed for was I prayed that God would bless us with friends. Now that may sound selfish or strange, like why is a grown man praying for friends? But I knew that moving to a new city, moving to a new church, that I want to get to know everybody, I want to love everybody, I want to be involved in people's lives, but I knew that for our longevity, for our mental health, for our spiritual health, for our overall family's health, That we needed to make friends, like true, genuine friendships, friends that we can rely on. I want the same thing for my kids, and I'm sure all you parents want the same thing for your kids as well. We want them to be faithful, but we know that they also need friends that are going to help them be faithful. Why? Why would I pray for friends? Why would my friend say that he has no friends? Why would we want our kids to have friends? It's because this is how God has created us to be. God is relational. God desires to have a relationship with us. And God has created us in a way to be relational with each other. God did not want us to be alone. So you keep all that into consideration. And Jesus says, I now call you my friend." I wonder how that made the disciples feel. I wonder how it makes you and I feel to hear Jesus say those words. Now, as we've studied through the Gospels the last few months, we've looked at the different characteristics and aspects of who Jesus is. He's our teacher. He's our rabbi. He's the rabbi saying, follow me, which we looked at last week from... Uh, the end, towards the end of John chapter 21 where Jesus extends the invitation again to Peter as a resurrected Jesus, follow me. Jesus is a teacher. He's taught us how to live in this upside down kingdom of God. And I spent almost a whole month studying through Luke chapter 6, the Sermon on the Plain. Discipleship 101 is what I called it. Um, Jesus is our teacher. Jesus has been our shepherd. If you look at John chapter 10, I did a sermon on... How Jesus says, I am. In one of those I am statements in John, I am the good shepherd and the sheep know my voice and they recognize my voice. So Jesus is our shepherd. He's our protector. He's our intercessor. He's our high priest. We've looked at John 17 and how Jesus uh, prays for us. He prays a prayer of intercession for us as his followers, for his disciples. He prays for their protection from the evil one. Jesus is our savior. Saves us from our sins. Jesus is our Lord. We've looked at all these different uh, areas, avenues, characteristics of understanding Jesus. But today, from John 15, I affirm to you that Jesus is our friend. And I don't mean that in an irreverent way. I don't mean it like some people have these t-shirts that say, Jesus is my homeboy. That's not what I mean by this. What I mean by this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, today I call you my friends. And there's no greater love than this, than to lay down one, one's life for one's friend. So what I want to do for just a second is something a little different than what I've been doing. And I want to sing a song, and the song that I've had in mind is this old hymn called, or I don't know how old it is, but to me it seems old. It's a hymn. It's called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And Tony's going to come back up, and his singers that are here are going to lead us in this song. And as you sit at home, maybe you sing along, maybe you just close your eyes and reflect on the words. But sing it like you've never sang it before. Think about John 15. Think about Jesus' words. I have laid down my life for my friends, and today I call you a friend. So sing with all your heart. Let me invite Tony back up here for that. thank you for leading us in that song. What a friend we have in Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for considering us friends. The ultimate way that we can be a friend is to lay down your life. So thank you for that to Jesus. I want to end with just two quick reflection questions that maybe you can write them down and you can think about over the next week. As maybe you read through, read back through the crucifixion stories leading up to Easter Sunday next week, reading the resurrection stories. Um, think about these two things as we've been with Jesus on this journey, is what does it mean to be a friend of Jesus? What does that mean to you? How does that make you feel to hear these words of Jesus spoken to His disciples, "I now call you friends." What does that mean to you? How does that make you feel? But even more than that, Jesus laid out those terms of friendship. So how are we being a friend to Jesus? What does it mean to be a friend of Christ? What does it mean to be a friend of Jesus? How are you obeying his commands? How are you loving others? How are you bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? If we kept reading in John 15 and verse 16, that's what Jesus talks about. So what does it mean to you to be a friend of Jesus? And to extend that even further, how can you be a friend to someone else? I don't know if that, how that question would resonate with you, whether it means like it's somebody that you haven't talked to in a while and you need to reach out to them, uh, or, or just somebody that you haven't seen because of this social distancing stuff. How can you be a friend to someone? And if you're like me, because it's human nature, it's easy to start thinking about how, Others maybe haven't been such great friends to us. I'm sure people have hurt you. People have said things that really bothered you. And, and maybe you're struggling with that. You just need to forgive and be willing to uh, extend grace to someone. And just think back to these words in the farewell discourse. Jesus says, today I call you my friends and I lay down my life for my friends. And guess who was in the room with him? Peter who was about to betray him and Judas who was about to deny him and the rest of the disciples who are going to scatter. But Jesus still says, I call you my friends knowing what they were about to do. So just like Jesus being a model of what a friend is for us, how Can we be a friend to someone else this week? I don't know if it's writing a note and sending somebody a letter, just reaching out to somebody through a text message, or sitting down and having a phone conversation with somebody. How can you be a friend and extend the type of love to someone else that Jesus has given to us? And because he laid down his life for us, and shed his blood for us, and took our place on the cross like Adam talked about in his communion thoughts, Not only has he said, I called you my friend, but he has given us the chance to be in relationship with him. And step one in that process is putting on Christ in baptism. And normally if we were here in the building, we'd let you know, hey, we have this baptistry behind us. And if you want to talk about being baptized or if you're ready to be baptized, you can come do that. Well, I know you're at home right now. But this could be a time where some of you, maybe you've really been thinking about being baptized. And if that's the case... Just contact us, and we can arrange something. I was talking to a friend uh, just yesterday who uh, called me and said that he went up to the building. They had a group of 10 or less to his church building where he works at, and he baptized a dad and a son. He said, we kept our social distancing as best we could, but we still uh, baptized them. And if that's the case, we can arrange something. for. Just call us, email the church, let us know, and start that conversation. And if you are struggling right now in any way, if you need some prayer requests, we've mentioned this the last few weeks, email any public prayer requests that you wouldn't mind being out there for the church to see, to be praying for. You can email our secretary, Lori Venable, at lvenable at pinetreechurch.org. If you have a private request, our elders are still available for you. Our elders are still praying over you and for you. So email our elders at elders at pinetreechurch.org if... Uh, you need to reach out if you need to be prayed for, if you want to be added to the prayer list. So there's your invitation. Now, as we wrap up this worship service this morning, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, and, and I don't mean this in like a superficial way, but help us out by getting on Facebook and sharing the link to this live stream service to reach out to others and encourage our own church to continue to, to do this together, to, to be united together in these worship services. Uh, we want to end these services by inviting one of our elders up here. In this week, we have my friend, Ken Hounsel, one of our shepherds. And I'm gonna, we're going to close it off, and I'm going to invite Ken to come up here right now.